You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Meek Ain't Weak. I don't care how nice you are or what kind of life you live out to the whole world. In my case, and I'm sure this is in yours, if you come find the people who are closest to me and know me, you would find out pretty quick about me that at times I can be harsh, I can be short, I can be mean. And you say, well, I don't see you that way. You don't see me all the time. And then there are a lot of women listening going, oh, I'm so glad my husband's listening to this message. So can you. So don't think this is all about the men. Because there's plenty of women who can be harsh and short and mean, angry, and be all pleasant when you think you're supposed to be pleasant. But if you're not, you know, if it's not seamless, then something's wrong. Now you say, well, I don't think I want to be whatever you're about to talk about. I like being me. You know, sometimes you just got to be mean. Sometimes you got to be abrupt. Sometimes you got to be me. You got no verses for that. Now, one of the tricky things about men especially is that men think something like meek, something like gentleness, this category makes you look weak. And what you don't understand is that really the strength is in meekness, in gentleness. The word meek is defined as humbly, patient, or docile as under provocation from others. Now remember that part of the definition. Humbly, patient, or docile as under provocation from others. So what we do is we say, well, I am justified in my anger. I am justified in my reaction. And if you are living a Christian life, you are responding to life, you're not reacting. If you're walking in the flesh, you are reacting all the time. Reaction, reaction, reaction. And that's all the flesh, it's not the spirit. Another part of the definition is overly submissive or compliant, spiritless, tame. Now, that's the negative side we think of. Well, that guy's just, he's just weak. Gentleness or gentle is kindly, amiable, a gentle manner, not severe, rough, or violent, mild, a gentle wind, a gentle tap on the shoulder. It's just something completely different. We're going to get into a specific word today. Gentleness can be translated meekness. And the Greek word describes the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Quality of gentle friendliness, gentleness, meekness, as strength that accommodates to another's weaknesses, consideration, restrained patience, patient trust in the midst of difficult circumstances. Now you say, well, I'm a gentle person. Let me tell you something. You are not going to be gentle long term unless God himself is behind that. You cannot maintain spiritual things in the flesh. You can't reproduce them. You might come across nice for a while, but sooner or later, we all blow a fuse. Norman Bartlett said that gentleness or meekness cannot be too strongly insisted upon that meekness is not weakness. It is strength held under control, power kept in reserve. 
Steam does the most work when it makes the least noise. I was actually on a steam train the other day, and on this steam-powered train, it's moving. Smokestack's going, but it's all being powered by steam. And it comes around a corner over a bridge, and you can look out the window and see, and it does a blowdown, what's called a blowdown, and the conductor releases a valve, and I mean, it makes all kind of racket just blowing. It's trying to blow impurities out of the boiler, not just blowing off steam, and it makes some noise. But when it goes back to work, it's a lot of power that quietly does its job. The same word denotes humble and gentle attitude, which expresses itself in particular in a patient submissiveness to offense, free from malice and desire for revenge, controlled strength, the ability to bear reproaches and slights without bitterness and resentment. The ability to provide a soothing influence on someone who is in a state of anger, bitterness, and resentment against life. I'm telling you something, I don't have this. Without him, I am not this person. But when he's working in me and through me, it changes how I interact with other people. Most people, including me, I'm so busy thinking about me, and what about me, and did I get hurt? Was I offended? that I don't have any time to stop and think, you know what, maybe this isn't about me. goes on in this definition, the word indicates an obedient submissiveness to God and his will, with unwavering faith and enduring patience, displaying itself in a gentle attitude and kind acts toward others, and this often in the face of opposition. It's the opposite of arrogance. It denotes the humble and gentle attitude which expresses itself in particular in a patient submissiveness to offense, a freedom from malice and desire for revenge, mildness, patient trust in the midst of difficult circumstances. That all comes out of linguistic and exegetical key to the Greek. So you say, well, I don't want to know all that. I don't want to know any of this. I just want to be me. But you know what? Being me doesn't work out very well, very long. Because people don't want to be around mean people unless they're mean too, and then they just go at each other devour each other. Matthew chapter 21. The Greeks used this Greek word prautes to describe strong animals that were brought under control. Xenophon writing that horses that work together are more likely to stand quietly together. Aristotle wrote of the quote easy tempered and easily domesticated unquote elephant. Powerful animal that can be taught and trained to do very delicate things. Plato described a mighty and strong beast which could be tamed and fed by a man who learned how to handle it. Same word, meekness, gentleness. Now look at Matthew 21, 5. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming to you, and how is he coming? Lowly, gentle, meek, this word. And sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. How interesting that the rider is reflected by the animal he sits on. It's literally a picture of who he is, that the animal he's riding has been broken and is rideable, and now he is sitting on that donkey because of that. Are you rideable? If Jesus was picking a donkey to ride into town, you say, well, I'd rather be a horse. He picked a donkey. I won't use the King James Version for that, but I'm sure that applies somewhere. Are you rideable? Jesus says, I'd like to use you to travel. I don't want you on my back. I don't want you telling me what to do. I'm not going where you want to go. And there's your life. I got to get him off of me. He's messing my life up. I want to do what I want to do. I'm a stud. Matthew 11, Matthew 11, verse 28. 
A lot of people know this, some by heart, seen it your whole life, some that'll be your first time. Come to me, this is Jesus saying this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So who are these people? Working at it. I ended up in a facility in my early 20s working so hard for God. I was gonna generate the spiritual, the Christian life without Jesus. And I literally ended up laying on a bed, couldn't lift my body off the bed. I was exhausted. So Jesus says, well, come to me. You labor, you're heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for what is he? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doing it his way works, but it's not work in the way you've been doing it. So when he's at work, and it's the Spirit of God living in you and through you, then the gentleness, the lowliness, the way he goes about it, you don't end up exhausted at the end. There's rest for your soul. You say, well, I want to do it my way. You cannot do it your way. My way, your way will never work unless it's his way. And so you say, well, I don't know how to do it his way. He says, well, hop in this yoke with me, and I'll show you how to pull this my way, gently, in a lowly way. And the example that he uses, oxen doing work, pulling a yoke, who wants to be strapped to that doing that? We want to be recognized. That's serving. That's working. And he says, I'll show you how to do it. Well, no one's going to see me. It's not about anybody seeing me. It's about him seeing him. It's all about him. And the cool thing about living the Christian life the way that it was intended is that, yes, the scripture says they will see your good works, but what will they do when they see your good works? They will glorify your Father who's in heaven because they'll know immediately there's nobody that can pull this off by themselves. You say, well, I'm going to let my light shine so they'll see me. If it's really your light, his light shining, and there's good works, they'll go, well, that ain't you, brother. That's got to be some supernatural something because you got none of that. Don't focus on the piece of fruit you're after. Focus on Jesus and the fruit will manifest. So you chase Jesus, you allow the Holy Spirit to live in you, through you, control your life, and then all of a sudden, all this list, we'll read in a minute again, starts popping off the branches of your life. And people go, dude, what happened to you? The answer is not, oh, I've been working on being more gentle. The answer is, I've been chasing Jesus and walking in the Spirit in such a way that this is just the new me. So you're going to wear yourself out trying to be all these things that are just manifestations of the fact that he's living in you and through you and something is changing. So don't be too discouraged. You say, well, you read these lists of things and it's not in my life. It doesn't mean it can't be. If Jesus agreed to move in your house, then he can run your house and he knows how to run your house and he knows how to keep it clean and make it a place where not only you can live, but people can come and go and go, wow, I'd like a house like this. Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five, verse 16 Paul writing to this church in Galatia, and this is what he says. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, you're not stuck under that regime. So you say, Lord, I want to be led by the Spirit. Then all of a sudden the Spirit takes over, and the flesh can't trump Spirit. He's not more powerful than the Spirit. And if you read this list, I'm telling you, if you haven't figured this out yet, 
the works of the flesh are evident. And he goes, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's not your list. But without the, listen, without walking in the spirit, that is the only list. You say, but I'm nice, I'm patient, I'm kind. Not in the Christian God kind of spirit-filled way. You are going to end up the first list. Because if you walk in the flesh, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And sooner or later, all that's going to manifest because that's what your life is. That's just how it works. We default to sin. But if you walk in the spirit, verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So that list... And by the way, the first list is work, the works of the flesh. That's what it generates. The fruit of the Spirit just comes off the branches of your life. You say, well, I don't have to do anything. You have to be planted in Him. Your roots have to go into Him. The sap that runs through your life has to be Him. It has to all be Him. And then supernaturally, these things start to manifest, and you go, wow, this is crazy. I'm not working at being gentle. I'm not working at having love. I'm just letting God flow to me, through me, and to other people, and this is what it looks like. And it's way more fun, I can tell you. I don't like being mean. I don't like feeling stupid later and going, God, how long is this going to be this way? Why don't I just walk with you? Why do I have to mistreat people, be impatient be all these things i really don't want to be now i said this a while back some people get off on being sinners you're not going to give up anger because you like being angry when you want to be angry it's just you're not reaching anybody with that galatians chapter 6 galatians chapter 6 verse 1 brethren written to christians if a man is overtaken in any trespass so you know someone they just got some sin takes them over you who are spiritual restore such a one in what a spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted so what is this gentleness and i've had people throughout my life do this with me so i'm not just preaching this to you i had people come to me and say dude you're out of line and because i know they love me it's hard it's not easy but i go okay i can't run them off because i know they care about me they're trying to help me and so i will allow things and by the way this picture here of restore such one is like if someone's bone is broken and a doctor grabs let's say your arm is broken and he grabs both the bones and tries to set them you're looking for a gentle doctor there right not oh let me grab this thing i'll get it back together here and we go on the next person you know you want somebody to set it gently. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. So it's got to be done, but it might be a little painful. But this is what we're supposed to be. But this isn't random people, hypocrites, going whack-a-mole on people who are living in sin when you got more sin in your life than the person you're helping. It says you who are spiritual. So make sure you're walking with God before you go try to fix people. F.B. Meyer said, It is the prerogative of great strength to be gentle. Always remember that you are linked with the infinite God and that all things are possible to you. There must also be infinite pity. Now listen to what he says. There must also be infinite pity. We must be tolerant and pitiful to those who abuse us or have been embittered by disappointment or have been ill-used. It must be our aim to make allowances for such and always to be sweetly reasonable towards any brusqueness, rudeness, and bad manners of their behavior. 
Let us be willing to admit that much is due to congenital moroseness. Therefore, we bear gently with the erring and with those who are out of the way because we also are encompassed with infirmity. You don't know what somebody's gone through. I mean, most a big chunk of my life, my week is spent setting bones. And what people need to know before you touch their lives is that you love them. If they don't believe you love them, they'll say, don't touch me. I'd rather live with a broken arm than have you come near me. Because when God puts you in someone's life and you've learned some things and you know what this is and you're walking with God and it's working the way it's supposed to, then you're going to be in some tough situations. And those people have to see him in you and they have to see that you care about them and you want the best for them and you're not there to hurt them in some way. And if you walk with him, you're going to end up, this is what it is. And people may say some mean things to you in the conversation. you got to grow up and get past it. How many parents at some point in their life have had a kid look at and say, I hate you. Oh, well, let's take them back down to the hospital and present the receipt and say, I'm bringing this kid back. You know, they said they hate me. I'm sure, you know, is there a return policy? I didn't sign up for a kid hating me. But what do parents do? A kid says, I hate you. Go, I understand you feel that way right now. Let's keep moving. Do what I said. And you keep moving. It's leader. You're the leader. You're the adult. Oh, I'm not putting up with that. Look what God puts up with day after day after day. Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, literally prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now you say, well, that looks and sounds weak. That's not weak. That is strength. That's what it's supposed to look like. And to be under control in that way, you can only live in that kind of controlled way being under his control, where it's him doing it. You say, well, somebody's going to think I'm weak. Who cares what they think? Let God live in you and through you. And sooner or later, they get tired of being who they are, and they come to you and go, okay, so what happened to you? You used to be the meanest person I know. So what happened? And now, and we'll read this in a minute, now you have an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that's within you. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And I'm reading you a ton of verses, so you see there's not just one off. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You decide that the relationship is more important than whatever the difference was. Well, she said this, and he did that, and I'm not letting that go. So you're going to die that way. Oh, that's brilliant. Just going to lock down over one thing that happened to you and kiss your life goodbye. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now you say, well, it says all these things. Who can be all these things? This is why I go back to the passage in Galatians. It's not you trying to be these kind, merciful, humble, all these things. That's just what happens when you walk with him. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 24. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So there's somebody's life at stake. 
So you say, well, I'm a screw up. And if I screw up and go back, then everybody's going to know it. We know you're a screw up before you screw up. Because <laughs> that's all we got. It's just a matter of if you're going to go down and when you're going to go down and how long you're going to yield to the enemy before you repent and say, okay, God, I'm done. But know this. If you walk back in this room and I got anything to do with it, we'll take you back. We'll take you back. I didn't know that's who he was for a long time. He's a dad that runs down the road and throws his arms around your neck and does everything he can to acknowledge that you're his son and pick up where we left off. Let's do James 1. Now these few verses I'm about to read you will save you lots of trouble. James 1, 19. So then, my beloved brethren, written to Christians, let every man be swift to hear. You want to do something fast? Listen fast. Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. When gentleness is operational, the Spirit is living in and through your life, and gentleness is operating, you will be slow to speak. You'll listen fast and speak very slowly, and you don't get angry easy because you're responding. You're not reacting. Little kids react. Mature people respond. Okay, last one, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, verse 15, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And how do you do it? With meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. In other words, it'll be so stupid of them to say anything that you're doing anything wrong because then they see your life and go, well, that's absurd. That's not who that guy is. That's not who she is. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Rebecca and I went out of town, and I had to fly somewhere, and I got on my Uber app. Everything's about timing. So I click on the Uber deal, pick the car, and it says it's 22 minutes away. I'm like, you know, dude, are you coming in from out of town? Why did I get this person? So I'm looking at my app, waiting, thinking, okay, I'm going to sit here for 22 minutes. That's going to change the schedule. And all of a sudden, the app just switches right in front of me, two minutes away, another car. It bounced that guy 22 miles away, and there's one a mile away. Car pulls in. We get in on the way to the airport. Conversation. I'm not saying you can't share your faith and not be walking with God. The gospel is the gospel always, but it'll be really hard. If you're walking with him and you know he loves you and you know you can love yourself and then you can love other people, then the conversation goes a whole lot easier. So Jose picks us up. 
just between our house and the airport, conversation. And you say, well, what does this have to do with this? Meekness and fear. So you're being really gentle because you got a human being's life at stake. And if he's a Christian, good for him. If he's not, you got a human being's life at stake. And then fear because somebody's life's at stake. Conversation with Jose, Rebecca's in the back seat, and God's at work. Just extraordinary conversation. Turns out his mom's been praying for him. His wife's been praying for him. Everybody's been praying for him. And he knows what to do. He's just never done it. And I said, so you know God loves you, all that. I said, okay, we got to the airport. I said, don't go to the gate. Pull over here on the curb. And he prayed a simple prayer and became a Christian. I said, call your wife. And got her on a speaker. You know, I told him is what I tell everybody. If God kept me alive for this day, and I'm dead tonight, it was worth living to this day. You say, well, why is it such a big deal? It's not a big deal unless it's your life. And then you're all of a sudden, it's a big deal. And when you understand that someone saved your sorry soul and loves you, and that he might love somebody else, then you get in a mode of always being ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you. And the hope is usually not hard to spot. You may be having trouble sharing the gospel and your faith if your hope is hard to spot. But if they see hope in you, they want a reason for that hope because they need hope. So pray for Jose. So meek ain't weak. I've tried the strong way. It turns out to be the weak way and get you nowhere. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.